Hi. Hi. <sighs> Hi. Welcome back to the Barefoot Office. I am so, so glad that you are here. <sighs> Take off your shoes for wherever you are in your bedroom, in the kitchen, on your front porch, in your backyard in your car, although maybe don't take your shoes off if you're driving, you are standing on holy ground because God is where you are and God is here in this digital space between us. So let's spend some time together with each other and with ourselves in these words from the Gospel of Matthew. And as we read them the first time, just notice what word or phrase sticks out to you. (laughs) And while he was still speaking, look, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a large crowd with swords and bludgeons from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the one handing him over gave them a sign saying, Whomever I should kiss, that is he, seize him. And immediately approaching Jesus, he said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him affectionately. But Jesus said to him, Friend, get on to what you are here for. Then coming forward, they laid hands on Jesus and forcibly seized him. And look, one of those with Jesus stretching forth a hand pulled out his sword and, striking the chief priest's slave, cut off his ear. Then Jesus says to him, Return your sword to its place for all who take up a sword will be destroyed by a sword. Or do you imagine that I cannot ask my father, and he will at this very moment place more than twelve legions of angels beside me? How then would the things written by the prophets be fulfilled, that it must happen thus? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, You came out with swords and bludgeons to arrest me, as though coming against a bandit? I sat each day in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all of this has happened so that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, abandoning him, fled away. What word or phrase stuck out to you? For me it was swords and bludgeons from the chief priests and elders of the people. And you came out with swords and bludgeons to arrest me as though coming against a bandit? As we read a second time, and your attention starts to wander or to become fixed on one thing, start to wonder where do you see God in this? Listen for something that surprises you, for something that strikes you as being not exactly how it should be, and start to investigate and think about why it doesn't sit well with you. What makes you uncomfortable? What is stirring something up in you that will lead you to new and better life?
And while he was still speaking, look, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a large crowd with swords and bludgeons from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the one handing him over gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I should kiss, that is he. Seize him. And immediately approaching Jesus, he said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him affectionately. But Jesus said to him, Friend, get on to what you are here for. Then coming forward, they laid hands on Jesus and forcibly seized him. And look, one of those with Jesus stretching forth a hand pulled out his sword and, striking the chief priest's slave, cut off his ear. Then Jesus says to him, Return your sword to its place, for all who take up a sword will be destroyed by a sword. Or do you imagine that I cannot ask my father, and he will at this very moment place more than twelve legions of angels beside me? How then would the things written by the prophets be fulfilled, that it must happen thus? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, You came out with swords and bludgeons to arrest me, as though coming against a bandit? I sat each day in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all of this has happened so that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, abandoning him, fled away. There's a pause there because I was looking up something on my phone that I wanted to find. And now I found it. I was struck with kind of the... radical courage that it takes Jesus to make one of these statements. I've always been kind of taught, thought about it as a general principle, some kind of unvarnished truth that Jesus says that he has this divine perspective on. A little statement loved by pacifists and peaceniks and yet in the context it's really kind of stunning I can't believe I've never thought of it this way before but it's clear that at the beginning and at the middle and at the end of this passage are mentioned bludgeons and swords And Jesus says to his disciples, to the one who has or who takes up a sword and strikes off the chief priest's ear, he undoes that act of violence. And he says to a crowd, most likely a crowd of men, most likely in a mob mentality, armed, ready for a scuffle at the very least, if not an all-out fight or battle, up to no good. And interesting what's going on here with, came with a large crowd with swords and bludgeons from the chief priests and elders of the people. Did the crowd come from the chief priests and elders of the people? Did the swords and bludgeons come from the chief priests and elders of the people? And what were the chief priests and elders of the people doing with swords and bludgeons? And 
actually, given the time and the history of violent revolt against the Roman Empire, you could think that it was the chief priests and elders who were able to have enough clout to get away with holding weapons, whereas citizenry maybe wasn't. Well, Roman citizens certainly were able to, but Jewish peasants not so much. And in the middle of that crowd of people holding swords and bludgeons, Jesus says, those who live by the sword die by the sword. And that's kind of stunning. Jesus knows, or maybe he doesn't, but he can guess where he's going, how this is going to play out. The Gospels have enough times where he says the Son of Man will be taken and tortured and killed and rise again. So if he didn't know the particulars, he had to have known just politically, socially, that they were coming for him. And he says to the people... If you hold the sword, you will die by the sword. And I can imagine those closest to him with swords saying, Who, me? From what? The proverbial you and what army? Response given by those aggressors who feel themselves in situations of power and feel themselves to be invulnerable. Jesus says to them, you will die by the sword. not a threat exactly or maybe somehow it is maybe it's a promise or a prophecy who knows but I can't imagine myself confronted with one person with a gun it's actually something I'm terrified of let alone a crowd of people with guns and to say to them if You hold the gun, you will die by the gun. Seems like a recipe for a quick shot coming my direction. And yet it's what Jesus does and what he says. And I can't fathom the perspective to be able to think that, to see it, to say it in that moment. And to be right about it. It also makes me think of, I brought up guns because there's a song by Gunger, an artist turned writer and kind of spiritual guru whose music I love, Uh, at least some of whose music I love, and on his album I Am Mountain, which I don't understand fully as an album, there's a song called God and Country, and at the very end of the song... It's kind of a rolling, rollicking, chaotic ride that's hard for me to even catch all the words. But at the end of the song, it's just a few guitar notes. And he sings, those who live by the gun, live by the gun, live by the gun. Those who live by the gun, die by the gun. Die by the gun, die by the gun. And in today's culture with... (laughs) the Boogaloo Boys and Antifa and armed resistance of all kinds in the United States. It just 
I don't know. Made me think of that song and that there's depths to it that I need to go back and re-examine. This third time as we read, what can you imagine yourself doing or being? What would you like to do? What might God be calling you to do because you have read and reflected on this passage? And while he was still speaking, look, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a large crowd with swords and bludgeons from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the one handing him over gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I should kiss, that is he, seize him. And immediately approaching Jesus, he said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him affectionately. But Jesus said to him, Friend, get on to what you are here for. Then coming forward, they laid hands on Jesus and forcibly seized him. And look, one of those with Jesus, stretching forth a hand, pulled out his sword and, striking the chief priest's slave, cut off his ear. Then Jesus says to him, Return your sword to its place, for all who take up a sword will be destroyed by a sword. Or do you imagine that I cannot ask my father, and he will at this very moment place more than twelve legions of angels beside me? How then would the things written by the prophets be fulfilled that it must happen thus? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, You came out with swords and bludgeons to arrest me as though coming against a bandit? I sat each day in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all of this has happened so that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples abandoning him fled away. What might you do? What might God be calling you to do, having read and reflected on this passage? I was in a situation about seven or eight months ago where I had a sense that I was walking into a meeting that was going to be very painful. And it ended up being more painful than I had imagined it would be. And it had effects that were more painful than I had even than my anxiety or my fear had even yet come up with. But as I heard at a campfire and see now as a slogan that gets on t-shirts sometimes, the only way out is through. And so I take comfort from Jesus saying, get on with what you are here to do. You can't avoid or escape the pain. I cannot avoid or escape the pain. It has to be lived. It has to be walked through. And for now, for tonight, that's enough. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom... 
You know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask. Through the worthiness of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Hope and joy be yours, that even though there is a great pain, there is still life on the other side of it, or at least resurrection, or at least the hope of an eternal resurrection that is yours because you have the light of God within you and you are the light of the world. Always. Always.